Hello everyone, this is Jackson. I just wanted to come up on the top of this episode, just mention we, uh, in this episode, talked a little bit about the uh, Black Lives Matter movement, and I just wanted to give everybody a heads up that in the show notes we put some, you know, links where you could donate and learn a little bit more about the movement, just if you're looking to help but are a little uncomfortable going out to protests and everything right now. Um, we just hope everyone's safe and... Thanks for listening to the show. One more time for the people in the back. I kept going because Jackson's dancing was so nice. I just could I could watch that all day. I was so pretty. <laughs> Morning. I'm Hagen. Welcome to Don't Feed the Artist. Whatever. I'm Dave. I'm Adam. And I'm Jackson. Welcome. Welcome one. Welcome all. Um, how's everybody doing? <laughs> Good. I hope everyone's feeling nice and positive after we let out our negative energy on the Metallica episode. I don't think it was that negative. I thought I thought it was appropriate. I thought it was going to be a singular event in my life having to talk about that, but listening back and having to edit it felt like I was doing it all over again. <laughs> and there was a point where i was like can i just fudge this and like skip through and you know just only edit out what i know needs to be edited but then i was like no i can't do that not for the big metallica episode i also don't think adam could have talked less Uh, it was was very much on purpose because i don't have anything good to say about them (laughs) i have found that uh whenever I'm editing and there's a point where somebody speaks over Adam or it's like, there are a couple times where I have to pick, okay, I need to cut out this person because we talked over each other and I have to pick who should, whose conversation thread should stay. And I always feel if Adam's talking, I'm like, all right, Adam's making it because he never talks. He's got to have something <laughs> here. Seeing that, I appreciate that. I have thought it was funny looking at the uh, like waveforms in the files before I send them. There's a lot of silence on some of those, like the Metallica one. <laughs> well, this is your episode, Adam. And oh, is it? You started out real strong. What are we talking about today, Adam? Do you even know? <laughs> I think we're talking about covers, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, before we get into that, uh, normally we like to start out the episode with some music news. Um, I do know this. We don't have any news. Yeah. <laughs> There, there's obviously news in the world, but when we're talking about uh, music news, nothing uh, too, you know, exciting has happened between our past episode and this. So you know, this and that are canceled. So and so released a new album. Blah blah blah. I think Lady Gaga has a new album. Uh, nothing too, you know, groundbreaking that I feel we need to talk about when it comes to um, music. I would like to say. Uh, just to have this on the record, uh, talking about world news, uh, I just want to come out and say uh, Black Lives Matter. I think that is something that uh, I don't want to shy away. I know we try to keep this uh, show a little lighter uh, when it comes to news topics and trying to steer away from... We're trying to give people a little escapism from the world, but I think that's important to say as you know, four white guys who do a podcast that, you know, listen to each other and there are obviously resources out there that you can donate to if you're not comfortable going out and protesting and doing stuff like that but i just wanted to personally have that out on the record and i know that 
all four of us definitely agree. It's not something we necessarily need to dive too deep into, but I don't want that to feel like that got brushed over. So there's well that. Said. Well said. Thank you. Well said. Well said indeed. We did uh, discuss prior to this, since there wasn't too much music topics, the the world, or maybe not the world, I can't speak for the world, but the U.S. seems to be kind of loosening up on our quarantines. People are getting out. People are working more. It's not 100%, but people are getting out and doing stuff. And musicians are included. And Hagen and Dave have both agreed to, you know, talk about what it's kind of been like uh, being a musician right now with the world kind of opening back up and just kind of because they've had more experience. uh, That is y'all's livelihood. You are actually gigging and working musicians, whereas for me, I do it on top of also working a full time job. Uh, So I thought it'd be interesting to hear from you guys where, you know, you guys actually are out there playing right now so feel well, free to sometimes start. we're out there like te- technically uh, i'm supposed to be on stage in two and a half hours but i'm not doing it <laughs> <laughs> well D- dave you played last night didn't you i did yeah i did play last night it was uh how was it uh we started playing it i got there about 40 minutes before we had to play i walked in through the back door of the venue uh wearing a mask and you know, hand sanitizer in my back pocket. Went up on stage. It was a really big stage, which is one of the reasons I agreed to play it. And then I set everything up and walked back outside and called my fiance and waited until it was time to play. Then we played for two hours straight. I packed up and left. I didn't nice. like, didn't hang out with anyone at the in the band. I didn't really hardly talk to anybody. I did have a weird uh, circumstance at the end of the night where the drummer went to shake my hand because he was like, hey, it's good to see you and, you know, good to be back playing with the band. And he went to shake my hand and I I closed my fist. I was like, how about we just do this? And he kind of looked at me funny and that was a little strange. It's like, I understand if you don't want to wear a mask, if you don't want to, you know, social distance or whatever. But just as much as I understand that, I wish people would understand that I do want to do those things. You know what? Uh, I don't understand that because it's pretty fucking harmful to other people. To because uh, okay, so from my my first gig experience back was a month ago, I guess about a month ago, and I wore a mask and people were like pointing and laughing at me. Like, what does we me wearing a mask have to do with you? So like, I don't know. And then like, it was funny because I was wearing a mask, kind of like going in and out because uh, it was it was uh, two one or three one hour sets, and so I was going to my car in between each set and uh so after i got off stage my mask or when I, when I finished playing the mask came on i go sit in my car and the mask was on as i walked back up on stage so i was chatting with somebody side stage right before we went on my mask is still on and uh i see people like pointing and like giggling and like making like motions towards their mouth and i'm like fuck what say say what do you need tell me tell me uh, and then I like, they're sitting in the front row and they're just like, oh, he's the drummer and he's wearing a mask. And I'm, uh, what do you, what do you want to say, motherfucker? What do you want to say? It's, it's very, very odd. Um, and on top of that, there's just like, I, I honestly feel like most musicians who are playing right now, and I don't mean to, to, to talk ill of anybody, but most musicians right now are not taking this seriously. They're just like, sick, get to play again, which I, I agree. Sick, I get to play again. That's awesome. I get to go play music and 
that's a, a great feeling to play with people again. I don't know. Was it was it awesome to play music again last night, Dave? Oh, it was. It was really cool. It was. I still was because you know I've been playing at church and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's been fun, but that's like three songs and then we're done, and then we do three songs, the same three songs again, and then we're done. Uh, last night was two hours straight. We played thirty six songs, and that was fun. I thought I, I was going to be like tired and and like I thought my fingers were going to be really sore from like playing a little harder than I normally do when I practice but when I got in my car after the gig I was like oh I want to do that again <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun it's 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 been awesome to play again it just sucks to see a lot of people not like obviously there's a lot of people who just aren't taking it as seriously as they should in general but the fact that there's people that I'm playing music with or seeing friends of mine that play music who just aren't even thinking about any of these sorts of things, it's like, I get that we all want to play music again, and we can lighten up on some things if you really feel like you like if you feel comfortable. It's all about reading yourself, but you should still do a lot of things like that you're not doing. Wearing a mask is incredibly important. If you're not going to do that, you have to social distance. I mean, th- these things have to be done. There's, yeah. just, there's, there's just no argument. You know, I was talking with my dad about this because he comes to a lot of our shows and he was saying, you know, if you had a show scheduled for next week, like, would you do it? That kind of stuff. And, you know, the reason why I wanted you guys to talk a little bit on it is because, you know, I haven't played a show. I have the luxury of not needing to play shows to make a living. And not all musicians have that luxury. So there are some people who are just just as you know cautious or even scared to go out but it, it, it's a it's you know a discussion of livelihood like they have to go out even if they're uncomfortable with it uh that kind of stuff so my heart goes out to anybody not just musicians who have to do that but i was just talking to my dad because i was saying you know if i had a gig next week would i do it and i was saying you know i would lean towards no i probably wouldn't if i had the choice and if i didn't have the choice since i sing in the band that's a huge thing i was thinking like okay so what what are the bad things that i could uh do that would just not be safe and like personally you know it's all about i would probably hang out outside the bar at my car or i wouldn't show up and i hate doing that i hate being that person i i try to show up and listen to other bands i play with or show up and hang out with the people who showed up to you know listen to my music so i try to be supportive of but this would be a situation where i would probably just hang out outside the club that kind of stuff and then even on top of that i would probably bring my own microphone which i know some audio engineers hate that but i'm sure in a situation like this they would understand so i mean and i know there there has been in the past this kind of stigma against people who bring their own microphones or who do certain things that make them you know add a little bit more work on a sound person or anything like that. But I just think there needs to be a little more flexibility in a situation like this of like, Hey, I'm sorry, but I don't want to wear a mask either, but you know, I'm doing it because I'm worried about your well-being as well as mine. So that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Like I I brought my own water bottle into the gig last night and I didn't, I didn't have any drinks or food and we had a, we had a tab and I was like, I'm I'm not touching that at all. Yeah, I had I had uh, I was on this little like short run last weekend where I played um, in San Antonio and in Houston, and that was weird because you're on the road with people. So if I 
I had to make the decision if I was going to wear a mask the entire weekend or only wear it in select times. And I chose the latter because, holy shit, that was going to be the worst if I had to wear it, like, in the Airbnb when I'm trying to just relax, you know? I'm trying to just chill out. So luckily, the venues, they're awesome. They're huge. Um, the stage is massive. It's a giant outdoor space, so I could stay away. And we had our own green room. So that was really, really great, where we had a server just come back and bring us stuff. So I did eat and drink because it was provided for me. I was trying to not pay for a single thing while I was on the road because they were providing our Airbnb and everything. Uh, but they were every every single person who was uh, working the wore a mask. They were sanitizing everything very, very intensely. But I will say that the first one I played, and I now feel bad that I said the name of the venue I played, but oh well. Uh, the general manager we walked can, up to me. We can uh, bleep it out. <laughs> Well, you don't, we don't, I, I didn't say if it was Houston or San Antonio, but the general manager walks up to me to introduce himself to me and he, uh, he, rem he t pulls his mask down to talk to me. And I'm like, do you get the point of what you're doing? Like, do <laughs> There's so many people doing that. It's really, really weird to me that people think that's how that's supposed to work. Yeah, it's like, you know, I can hear you just fine. I don't keep it. Do you get why you're wearing that? It's not like a cool accessory. It's 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 important. That's where it matters the most. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. I've only uh, I went to work one full day this week and I had somebody I was working with. She was like, uh, while she was telling me, yeah, it's actually not good for you to wear these masks more than like a couple uh, hours. Oh, no. she, pull, she, she pulled down her mask uh, to where sh her nose was out, and, uh, but her mouth, mouth was covered. And she goes, it's okay. We can break the rules a little bit. And I was like, no, no, we can't. <laughs> I'm so not looking forward to going back to work because of people like that. Not that I'm saying any of the people I work with are like that, but I mean, I feel like it's going to happen, so... Yeah, you never know until you get in the scenario. Yeah. Yeah, Adam, somebody's got to sell calculators, and I got to be there. It's true. It's so very What essential. am I going to do? Very essential. I'm going uh, to be going back to work soon. Are you really? Yeah, but what they're doing is they're, we, have get, uh, we have branded masks, like with the, <laughs> the company name on it. And, uh, of course you do. And uh, <laughs> Is that why they waited so long to get you to go back? <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh they're they're putting us in a room with a like a drum shield okay that's thing good. across the middle and then we're going to be as socially distanced as possible and there's like the students have to wear masks and yeah. uh we get 15 Man. minutes between lessons to uh to sanitize, sanitize. So Man, those those, those drum shields are expensive what'd you say adam uh, all things considered, that's pretty good. Oh, I felt safe, That's yeah. more than I was expecting from that place. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, one thing, last thing I have to say on the topic is that I, while the others were gigging this past weekend, I was recording some music with the guy we typically record with, Brack, a uh, friend of the show. He's been on the show. Uh, and... <laughs> I was talking to him like, cause he's just like you guys, he's a musician and that's how he makes his money. And he's like, Oh yeah. You know, I've been able to do a lot of, uh, I've still been able to do my, uh, lessons, uh, you know, 
via the web, all that kind of stuff. And he goes, you know, and it's been really great. I love it. I, you know, really, I love this kind of this form of life. I'm enjoying it, being able to do lessons like this. And I was like, that's great for you, Brack. And he goes, but that being said, doing an uh, a Zoom drum lesson is probably <laughs> my own personal hell. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is like it is one of the most insane things in the world so like i have it set up right now where like this mic that i'm currently using for the podcast is like basically a room mic for the drum lesson and then i have a talkback mic at my drum set so that way like at least my drums can sometimes sound okay but i have, my student uses whatever the fuck they have <laughs> and uh, it could which be is an like iMac a phone. microphone yeah, it, it, sometimes sometimes it's like a shitty laptop microphone, and then and then there's the camera angle aspect of it too, where it's like I don't need to see your face while you're playing drums. I need to see you playing drums, so I have to like continually ask like, hey, can you angle it like down a little bit? Can you do anything so I can actually see what you're playing? <laughs> you're uh, like, oh yeah, your ceiling looks nice, but I can't see your kick drum. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's that's definitely like. Uh, and you, uh, with any of it, you can't play along with the student, which is makes it very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, and with drums, that it's the same thing. But with any instrument, you can't actually play along. So it's really, really hard to to kind of sometimes demonstrate what's going on. Um, and also, the, if you try to tell them like, "Hey, please, like, stop. Let's go back to that section oh, again." Sometimes they don't hear you because their internet is fucked up or whatever. Yeah. Or uh, trying to count along with students and being like <laughs> one two three four and then like a second later they start playing and yeah then yeah, if, yeah. It's, if it's a counting exercise they play like eight bars and then they stop and you're like two three four and then they're like ding <laughs> start playing yo this is this is lars's time to shine <laughs> the world is just now coming around to it so i'm gonna venture to guess and yeah, uh, don't everyone answer me all at once, but Hagen, you played a couple gigs. Dave, you played what you said, 36 songs the, uh, last night. What type of songs were those? Were they original songs or were they, what What do you call those? Well, Ruff, they roughly, were... rough, roughly five songs were original songs. Yes, roughly five of the songs that I played were original songs. Uh, uh, but no, they were all cover Covers. songs. <laughs> and I'm... We'll, fi- we'll fix it in post. one more thing i'll I'll add to is i'm I'm playing a a wedding tomorrow and uh they requested that we wear masks when we're not on stage kudos to them which i I was like yes i'm totally down because i was gonna wear one anyway but i wasn't sure if some of the guys in the band were going to yeah that's good that's good that some people are exercising that precaution but as we said we're talking about uh cover songs today um uh, I don't have an intro for this. You guys know cover songs. I, I got a whole list of famous cover songs, some of which you may even not may not even know are cover well, songs. Well, can you can you just 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 in case someone doesn't know what a cover song is, can you explain what a cover song is? No, I can't. But Adam can. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a thing that musicians don't really like historically. <laughs> I May I like prove you wrong? Uh, I think it depends on the type of music, but it's when you uh, you know you play somebody else's song, sometimes with their permission, sometimes without. You nailed it. I mean, I think, uh, that's, <laughs> I think that sums it up. But By at, golly at one, gee. good good covers, you know, you make it your own song, but 
that's, you know, depends on the artist. <laughs> I wasn't Adam, prepared are you to have to do sweating this right now? Usually you're the one who does all this. Or Dave reads Wikipedia. With, with, <laughs> yeah, are you sweating? Are you getting heated right now? No. What's going on? It's just warm in no? here. Like I said when we started. <laughs> It's too hot for podcasting. Yeah, yeah let's oh, let's mention that uh, before we get too deep into this topic. Uh, I think this was our first 100 degree uh, week of the year. It wasn't 100 degrees every day, but uh, I think this was probably one the first week where it hit 100 degrees here in Texas. And uh, fuck it, that it sucks. It does, dude. Uh, it's so hot. Yeah, and I live in the city, so like the there's a heat island effect where it's just like, yeah, it's 100 degrees. You guys in Denton, it's 100 degrees. It's 100 degrees in Dallas, but it feels like it's like 105 here. It's just like, god damn it. Yeah, my AC is just set to on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. that's the and especially on. working from home. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Every like I used to have my, and I know you do too, Adam. But I used to have like a schedule to not have it on all the fucking time but mm-hmm. uh right now i'm just blowing through that ac i had my ac unit uh the uh drain pan that catches the condensation it f- overflowed uh this week and i had to explain Holy to the, the maintenance person because he started explaining to me he's like so you see when an air handler does this it starts doing this and i had to tell him like hey by the way uh I do this at work, so uh, <laughs> let's just let's cut the shit. I don't care. Like I appreciate it, but nah. <laughs> and he goes, oh, "Okay, cool, cool, thanks." <laughs> so talking about cover songs, uh, here's something. Uh, this is off the top of the dome. I'm just riffing here, um, but I, I would say that uh, it's popular in folk music and a lot of the original uh, music of you know the world when you're talking about traveling uh, minstrels and stuff like that uh there wasn't recorded music and stuff like that so i wouldn't say that this is necessarily the origin of covers and stuff like that but it was just natural for even stories literature stuff like that uh it was passed down you hear another person singing a song and then you would just you would learn it and you would recite it as you remember it and that's why you have these folk songs that like you know uh, Dink's song, or otherwise known as Fairly Well, which is one of those songs that's just like it's been, it's gone through so many generations. And if you don't know it, uh, Bob Dylan did a really good cover of it. It is there's a cover of it or a rendition, I think, is a better word. Uh, that um, this is the only song that Marcus Mumford has done that I've enjoyed, but uh, Fairly Well for the uh, Inside Lewin Davis uh, soundtrack. But uh, that that used to be kind of how music was, if I'm not mistaken. And please, if I'm wrong, uh, write in, and I I won't read your email. But I mean, <laughs> write in. No, I mean that's it. And you know, one of the main reasons for sheet music being published was because they didn't have you know records and recordings or radio or anything like that. So they would publish sheet music so that people could play other people's compositions in their own home. So yep. covers, like the idea of hearing somebody's original performance was at one point just strange. That was weirder than a cover. Yeah. I mean, like I, you wouldn't have Mozart in your living room, but maybe your kid could play piano or you had a musician for your party and they would 
have the sheet music, that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's a great point. Uh, and then, you know, over the years it transitioned, you know, recorded sound becomes a thing and now we have actual records and stuff like that. So now when you're playing someone else's music, it seems it's, you know, it, it was all music has always been for the joy of it. Uh, no matter how much we, uh, try to monetize it and stuff like that. I I challenge any musician to say that, you know, the reason they picked up an instrument wasn't just for the sheer fact that they wanted to play. So I started playing music to make money. Duh. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> so, uh, and that's kind of what covers have, you know, they've had this kind of roundabout where it, that was the only way of hearing music outside of going to a concert. Uh, so now it is covers are really more an organic sense of like, I really like so-and-so's song and I'd like to play it. So that's kind of how it is. And, you know, there's a whole culture on Instagram and YouTube and I'm sure TikTok as well of uh, covering songs. I know that's how TikTok started, but I know it's evolved into this totally other thing. But, um, you know, we just kind of wanted to talk about covers a little bit. And I, I wrote down some... Uh, really uh famous covers that uh some people may not know were uh covers uh the most famous one i would say is probably twist and shout by the isley brothers but then uh obviously we have uh the beatles as you guys may know them uh they did their cover and then my one of my all-time favorite musicians jeff buckley covered leonard cohen's hallelujah and i'm at everybody's covered that song i've covered that song um but and then here's one for you adam uh the david bowie song the man who sold the world but nirvana did that cover Mm. and apparently it got to a point uh where nirvana fans would be at a david bowie concert and they would after the show be like hey that was really cool of you to do a nirvana cover in your set I mean, the I love does, that. that does happen, though. Like, I think another good example is um, Trent Reznor. I forget what song exactly hurt, right? From Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then that, he kind of, like, lost, you know, ownership of that song when it was covered. So. Yeah, Johnny Cash. Yeah. So I just want to, this is a, a hot take of mine, and I was going to wait for later for this hot take. But most people, when they think of that song, Hurt, they think of Johnny Cash's version now. I'm just going to come out flat and just say i think nine inch nails version is better i do like johnny cash's version but there is this like whole culture even trent reznor says that he has this whole story of whenever he received this uh cd in the mail that had the cover uh johnny cash sent him that was saying like hey here's the cover thanks for letting me do it just wanted you to hear it first and trent reznor just talked about how he listened to the song and he just kind of he started crying because he's like that song's not my song anymore like this is no longer mine that's so good so but i'm just going to come out and say it i like trent reznor's version better the the cool thing about that that whole record that uh it was like a series of records that uh johnny cash did with rick rubin and rick rubin was just like hey you should uh just play a bunch of songs that you've always wanted to cover but they might not necessarily be the most popular songs so the thing I've been wondering is how did he, how did Johnny Cash arrive at that? Was that was that a hit for Nine Inch Nails? So it was a, I don't know if it won it, but it was a Grammy nominated song. Hurt was. So it was a huge song. And it, it, I know Nine Inch Nails is this kind of like, 
I mean, even the name itself is vulgar and kind of off-putting, but, like, Trent Reznor is by no means a Marilyn Manson-esque person where he's just kind of this shock jock. He is very much, like, the guy knows what he's doing as a musician. So I I think there is this kind of, like, misconception because he uh, was along with that industrial music scene that Nine Inch Nail wasn't popular, but I think they were huge. One of the biggest bands probably of the 90s. Yeah, well, I mean, they had some shock rock elements. Like, some of the music videos were pretty gruesome. Yeah, for sure. And the name itself. I don't know what the name means. Nine Inch Nails? I I would say that that's probably, I don't know, some type of body horror uh, attempt to think of your nails being nine inches. Interesting. I don't know. That may be just me reading into it. Uh, I I think think the beauty of the, the beauty of, like, you know, the hot take of liking it or not. I mean, that's obviously music is subjective, but that's the cool thing about covers too, is that you get a different uh, angle of the song and somebody giving you this different idea. For example, Disturbed did that cover of uh, fucking Sound of Silence. Is that what it was? Yeah, Trash. People loved that thing though. People thought that was the fucking coolest thing in the world. Very bad. It was very bad. I think we all agree that, that that's that's not a good cover. <laughs> they also did a Genesis cover of Land of Confusion. <laughs> yeah, that 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 blew up. People loved that. God. So let me ask you guys a question: Who wrote "I Will Always Love You"? It was Dolly Parton. Yeah. Thanks for Good that answer. question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Let, let's go back. Hey, Dave. Dave, ask me the question again. <laughs> oh, who wrote "I Will Always Love You" and why was it Dolly Parton? <laughs> I don't know. I think one time uh, my good friend Adam Selby told me it was Whitney Houston. <laughs> that sounds like a thing I would say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she, uh, Elvis, Elvis Presley wanted to cover that, and she was like, uh, no, because they wanted all the rights to the song. And Dolly Parton being a badass was like, nope, sorry. I was reading all these, you know, like, of course, there was a ton of these songs I already knew, but... I was just reading like, oh, are there other songs that I think are originals that are actually covers? And on all these lists, they'll have like, oh, you know, top 50 uh, songs that are actually covers. And there will be like five um, Elvis Presley songs. And I was like, wait, hold up, pump the brakes here. Elvis Presley never wrote a song. I think there's only one instance where he like wrote a song and it was he didn't record it like it was just they found it in his army journal something he wrote down and they're like oh this is the only uh elvis song that he ever wrote so i was like i think that's just a loophole there like the um the beyonce song if i were a boy comes up on all these uh lists but that's a different thing beyonce just didn't write that song but no one else has performed that song like beyonce that is her song someone just someone else wrote it i think that's a completely different thing but i guess that gets yeah, that's, into that's, semantics no that's not a cover a, co- a cover is when you cover someone else's like when you perform someone else's song i i if someone like if uh we had a moniker song that we had like a friend come in and jam with us and they kind of had this idea and then we jammed on it and they were like that's yours go ahead you can run with it that we're not covering their song no they just kind of wrote a thing that then we ran with yeah that's a um, collaboration <laughs> Yeah, that's a collaboration or like writing a song for someone even is not a cover. That's uh, someone got hired to do that. You know, that's that's <laughs> that's not a cover. That's someone doing their job. Yeah. But at least, you know, in some senses, 
uh, I think of uh, the song Wagon Wheel that it was it's by the Old Crow Medicine Show but Darius Rucker covered it and he didn't change it up like at all the thing Did I he changed the key he changed the yeah but yeah okay that's what I thought yeah that he that's semantics the there I, that yeah. like putting your capo on a different fret does, that's not reinventing a song I'm sorry no, YouTube no. I've cracked the code <laughs> but just because you're playing on the seventh fret does not make it happy. Yes. Yeah. No. I. I. Uh, I didn't think that was like changing, changing the song, but it's 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 like a difference. Uh, it's something to note. That's like you no, know, it's not a reinvention, but it's it's something that at least is like, hey, this is a different, a, di- a different concept, a little bit, different idea for the way you can hear the song because keys do change the way you can hear something. I'll tell you uh, one instance of changing the whole fucking song is Smooth Criminal, originally by Michael Jackson, but... Uh, Alien metal, Ant Farm. Yeah, a- Alien Ant Farm did that. That's completely reinventing it. Dude, I love that version. I love that version. I, I don't disagree with you. I think there's this thing of, like, uh, I have I have an odd thing with covers uh, where it's, um, you know, this, this heavy band's doing a pop song or something like that. Uh, there was, I think they're still going on, but I can't remember. But the the pop goes punk series of of albums, those were like super fun when I was younger. And I go back and listen to some of those, and I'm like, oh, this is still kind of fun, but it definitely loses its its uh, fun and interest very quickly. One and two, I that's so fuck. It's so ham fisted. It's so just like, hey, we're gonna take this pop song and we're gonna play it on a drop C guitar, and suddenly, it's like it's stop it stop it right now like just do something else in that same vein when people take like toxic by britney spears and play it as an acoustic song and I'm oh like, Dude, yeah i cannot stand that i used to think yeah. hallelujah was probably the most covered song but i am as i'm getting older starting to think it's probably toxic by <laughs> britney spears which like, I think just, is a banger landslide is also really covered that's a that's a really popular song to cover fuck that song fuck that song Fuck you. Fuck I love that you. song. You don't like that song? I don't like almost anything by Fleetwood Mac. If I if I have to hear rumors one more time in my life, I just might off myself right now. Second hand you're an, news. You're an idiot. Time? You're... <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's it. Jackson got Damn. to pick his favorite bands. I didn't pick those bands, guys. Yeah. All right. Yeah, right. You're, we're we're airing our dirty laundry right here, right now, bitches. You you picked Sufjan. That's not my favorite artist, not even and by my far. Chemical Romance. I did I not picked my pick Chemical Romance. Oh, oh, I picked my no, Chemical Romance. We're, we're changing history here. Jackson picked it. <laughs> it's twenty twenty. Covering it history. No, Adam, don't take down my statue. <laughs> oh, no, I love my statues. <laughs> Did you guys hear about that that NASCAR driver that was like, I'm I'm retiring from NASCAR, and he's like, <laughs> someone made a post like, oh no, the NASCAR NASCAR has to struggle to find someone who can finish in 28th. <laughs> yeah, did did you see NASCAR never retweet? won a race? Yeah, yeah. N- NASCAR retweeted, we actually had to Google you. So good. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked. It's like when uh, the the Washington Redskins tweeted Black Lives Matter, and it was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't y'all just change your name? 
moving on. Uh, hey, Dave. Okay, so so, yeah. Who who wrote uh, the song "Respect"? Um, was it Tina Turner? So you may be thinking of oh, it was the, Otis Redding. Yeah, but the famous re- rendition is Aretha Franklin, which it has now become this, uh, you know, kind of a theme song for uh, you know strong female attitudes. So uh, I think that's an awesome example of a cover. I didn't even know it was a cover. So thank you, Watch Mojo. <laughs> this is not a sentence <laughs> oh, most no. people say in a day. Oh, <laughs> thank you. No, I gotta go. But the cool. Th- so when when someone like you know when they do a cover and it sometimes gets bigger than the than the actual original version, it's not the artist that gets paid; it's the publishing, right? So hopefully, a lot of like you know, in the case of Old Crow Medicine Show with Wagon Wheel, or in not that Trent Reznor needs he's struggling for money, but in that case with Johnny Cash, they hopefully they own the rights to the publishing so that they get the money. Yeah, that that's a contract thing of of how like how the split works between that. So if some if somebody if somebody gets the rights to cover it, then the money would go back to the publishing, but then the contract's going to be split on who owns publishing. So I'm sure a lot of that's going to go to the label or whatever other company is in charge of that. Um, hopefully the artist is in the contract for publishing, but it's it's never going to go 100% back to the artist, but um, it, it it should go you know somewhat to the artist. I think yeah. I think that's also a really important thing to note too is that covering a song um, live is very very different than recording a cover. That's a very very different thing than putting a cover on the internet in some form. And that uh, you when you record when you, when you play a cover live, you don't have to go to the artist and get permission, right? Uh, but if you you know put something up on YouTube and you're trying to monetize it, then you need to get consent and permission to have that song up if it's monetized. Now, when you play it in a in a venue, when you play a cover in a venue, that venue has to have permission from ASCAP and BMI. They have to have they have to have to pay these companies, these these distri- distribution companies so that they can allow covers within their venue. Uh, and they actually send people to the venues to see if, like, to see like the venues that aren't paying them, to see if people are playing covers in those venues, so then they can yeah. get them and go, "Cool, now we're going to charge you because you're not paying us." Well, even not even just live, like if they're playing music over a jukebox or something, right. they have to have right uh, some sort of thing with BMI. It doesn't have to be both, though, right? You should have both because both have different artists and both have like the they they, they cover the whole spectrum if you get both. I did meet uh, a rep from uh, ASCAP one time at a gig. She was a singer at a gig. And she was talking about how, like, people have to... She has to, like, go around to different venues and and do that thing where they have to ask, like, hey, you, you owe us money. Like, you have to pay Which us is, for this. Which is so weird. That feels like, you know, the musical mafia. Yeah, that, yeah, it that is, feels it, really heavy-handed on their part. It is, and it, it it makes sense in some way, but it also is kind of like, I mean, it's a it's a weird thing to think about when you walk into a dive bar that they've potentially paid BMI and ASCAP to have their jukebox going, you know? That's a weird thing that you wouldn't think an owner of a dive bar thought about. Now, is um, that covered already if you pay for, like, Spotify for businesses or anything like that? I actually don't have any idea, but... 
I would I would assume if you pay for Spotify for businesses, then yeah, that's part of it. I but I don't know either, because um, I know that there's bars that I go to they just play Spotify. Right. That's all they do. Um, so that's that's my best guess. Um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, the thing the, the the difference also with covers on the internet, and I just watched a really great video about this. There's a great music YouTuber named Adam Neely. Uh, excellent, very very smart. Uh, but he did a series. He, he covers like music news, especially when it has to do with like lawsuits, et cetera, et cetera. And he covered um, this lawsuit with Katy Perry. Uh, I cannot remember the song, but I Dark cannot Horse. remember. Was it Dark Horse? Yeah. So the person that was suing her, uh, the song was. I guess similar. And Adam Neely's point was like, you can't copyright them like the minor scale. You, can't, you just can't do that. It's not the way it works. So months after this has come out, uh, he's, you know, that, that video was got, got some attention and uh, it was in defense of Katy Perry, but Katy Perry's reps months later was like, Hey, we saw this video and you have to, you know, demonetize it. Give us money. That's it. Game over. And he, and he's like, and it wasn't algorithmic; it was manual. I guess when they get the reports, when the YouTubers get the reports on how they're being reported, it tells them if it's algorithmic or if somebody saw it themselves. Uh, and it was said it was manual that Katy Perry's reps looked through that video, and said, "Cool, fuck you. You don't have the right to play this song." And the, uh, the here's the biggest part of that irony is that the 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 part that they called out because they give a timestamp as to where it was was not the Katy Perry song. It was it was the song that was it was people that was suing Katy Perry. Uh, I mean it's oh, just the, the way that I mean and this ventures off from the cover thing, but the way that and I can't help but feel it, it it's with how accessible music is nowadays. Uh but the way that these companies, whether it's a distribution company or a record label or something like that, uh, strong arms these small... I mean, Adam Neely is, like, he's he's no small fish, but he's also not, like, some mega... He's not Beyonce who can afford something like this to just, like, right. lose uh, a video. It's like, the, the way that they strong arm all these small musicians, it's just like, damn... Like, as I said, like, it's a musical mafia, and it's just, like, it's so fucked because, like, no wonder people are scared to put up, like, I mean, I started playing my live shows by going to, like, yogurt shops and playing acoustic covers and then a couple right. of my original songs. But imagine, especially right now when we're talking about everyone is at home, uh, should be at home most of the time, uh, th- I imagine there's some... 14 year old who's picking up a guitar and has learned it and they want to play their song and then put it up for their family to see around the country or around the world and like imagine that 14 year old who just wants to play whatever song it is and then uh you know universal group just says "Uh uh-uh get fucked you cannot play that song she's like i mean what (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the crazy thing is that, like, someone like Adam Neely is very careful. He has a, a – going back to covers, he posted a cover video of Ariana Grande's Thank You, Next. And it's a reharmonization, so meaning that he took the song and he replaced the chords with different chords. Uh, so it's just brand-new harmony, brand-new idea to the song. But in the video, he states he had to change the key because the melody is still the same and the words are still the same. 
But since he ch he had to change the since he changed the whole chord progression, and I guess the drums changed too. If he didn't change the key, that I guess that wouldn't be enough. He, he had to change the key on top of all the other stuff to make sure that he couldn't get sued over it, and that he could they couldn't get they couldn't demonetize him over it. Uh, so I mean, it, it it is a really important thing to think about when you cover something. One, I mean, when you're putting it online, are you making it different enough in terms of? for yourself in terms of for the performance and then also are you making it different enough to not get flagged i watched a guy on facebook live get flagged because he played a cover he was literally just like like it and the algorithm picks it up so facebook just took him down that's it game over which is uh, it's such a weird as when we're talking about there are things when it comes to creativity of your limitations can really bring forth like when we were talking about sufyan Stevens, how uh, the way he recorded, he really limited himself and it yielded uh, great results. And I can't help but think that, you know, there are examples where it's like, oh, well, if you had this, uh, if you had, you know, uh, just if you had uh, the London Philharmonic at your disposal, would it be the same record? Uh, I, probably not. It probably wouldn't have that same effect. So there are examples of this, but this isn't a, that, that's such a, I mean, I would hate to record something with the mindset of like, well, I got to do this because if I don't, I'm going to get in trouble or I might get flagged. I would only want to change things or do things because I'm like, okay, well, this is how I want to do my version. If I want to do it cut and dry the exact same way, there's nothing wrong with that. That's how I want to do it. But being told I can't do that because you know, oh, well, you're going to get flagged for that, and you may three strikes and you lose your whole YouTube. That's just insane to me. But Yeah, hey. especially sometimes it's over, like, a few cents, you know? It's not even over that much money. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have a question for you guys, and, and Dave and myself will answer last. Uh, but as it was mentioned, we play in cover bands. So how do you guys feel about watching cover bands? How do you do, do you enjoy seeing a cover band live? Is it fun for you to see covers live? So take it from the perspective of seeing a cover band and then seeing maybe a band you like do a cover. I think, do, a, you, do you enjoy that? I think a band doing a cover is like totally fine. And I like that sometimes. Um, I'm not a huge fan of covers as you kind of could figure out from my explanation earlier, but <laughs> uh, your, not, your wonder your wonderful intro yeah i mean i'm not personally going to go seek out a cover band um but i understand people like that and i mean that's it's a way to hear the music live where you maybe wouldn't be able to for whatever multiple different reasons but i, I think seeing like a band that i like play covers live is fine as long as they're also playing original stuff for me so i think uh the way i see covers whenever i'm uh, an audience member is the same way I see the music, like the, nor the the original music is sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. There was, I forgot what band it was. Oh, I saw Billy Joel once, and he obviously has this huge catalog and all these hits, but then he played some, uh, I think it was a Garth Brooks cover or something like that, and man, that fell so flat on me, and I was just like, man, I... Yeah, I'm so fucking bored of this. But then he did another, I think it was a Led Zeppelin cover, and it was super fun. It was super cool. Um, but uh, there have been, as Adam was saying, there are certain bands, like there are cover bands. That's a whole thing. There's a cool cover band called Queen for a Day uh, that is around 
D- the Dallas area, I believe only the Dallas area, but I may be wrong about that. But it, it, they just do Queen, and it's not one of those bands that like they are all looking like Queen. They all like are playing only Queen instruments. Uh, they just play the Queen songs and they play them really well. And I never had a chance to see Queen in my life, so it was really it's really nice to hear those songs like done well live because a live experience is a bit different. I there have been plenty of times in my life where I've seen a uh, performance of a live song that I thought I did not like and then I hear it live and then now it's a new song that I really like so and then also there was one time uh, a group of Denton musicians for they did a couple concerts where they played just Radiohead albums from front to back and that was so fun to see that and even if they were playing it just cut and dry it's just oh well Radiohead comes to Dallas once every three years and here i am seeing people who i respect my peers playing the songs possibly just as well or maybe even better because they're younger and you know really these songs bring light in them so it's give or take with me i the way i see covers uh as an audience member is you know i could like it i could also dislike it but that's the same with any song really yeah, I think there's a there's a distinction between a cover band and uh, what you were mentioning before, Queen for a Day, and bands like that. They're typically called tribute bands. Yeah, and that's that's the purpose that they're used for is to play, you know, music from bands that don't come to that area very often, or if they're not playing live anymore, and it's like it's a largely a nostalgia based uh, market. Yeah, to uh, to go to go back to uh, Metallica for just one second they actually sued a Metallica tribute band for playing their music and using their name. And then when they got asked about it, they were like, our lawyers were a little too uh, gung-ho and a little too 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 going for it. It's like, bitch, who, who tells the lawyers to do something? Who the fuck t- do you tell your lawyers to do something? They're just um, mad that they got caught. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I think, I think the, the thing with cover like seeing a band i like doing covers live i'm gonna say nine times out of ten it usually bores the fuck out of me um it it happens where like i i'm i'm seeing a band and then you know it's really really fun i'm enjoying seeing this music that i love and then they go into this song that maybe i don't even know i'm like ah well I don't know, because maybe I like your cover, but maybe your cover is individual, and that's cool. I'm seeing it, but it's not your song, and I can't listen to it, and it kind of takes me out of the moment most of the time. It takes me out of why I'm there. Uh, an example being Between the Buried and Me did a Bohemian Rhapsody cover, and wow, that was super-duper fun. I loved that, and that's my favorite band, and it was so much fun, but I, I you know, I'm, I kind of wish they would have played one of their songs instead and that's not being totally fair because i'm sure they did that because they wanted to i'm sure they played that song because they thought it would be fun and they enjoyed it so that's not me i'm not being fair to you know the reason i think a lot of big bands end up playing covers is because they think it's fun and they enjoy it uh but from my perspective a lot of times i just wish that they would play their own song because that's why i'm there you know yeah but there are some instances where like uh I found online that this guy named Tim Owens, he was uh, he was a lead singer for a Judas Priest tribute band called British Steel, and he actually went on to join the band. 
That's crazy. to join Judas Priest. And it, the same That's thing insane. happened with with uh, Journey. They had a singer that was in I I can't remember where what country it was in, but you know it was out of left field somewhere, and he ended up replacing I think Steve Perry at some yeah, point. He was doing covers on YouTube, I think actually. Yeah. That's how they found him. Because, yeah, it was like footage from him playing at a bar or something that was yeah, put on insane. YouTube. So that's, I think that's really cool. And for me, I've been playing in cover bands for close to a decade now. And I'm still not sick of it. I love, I love going and playing, you know, sometimes 40 songs in a night from a different band every song. I love doing that. Because I think it's important for musicians to learn other people's songs and grow from that and you can learn a lot from it but also i'm never going to be in stevie wonder's band so any chance i get to play a stevie wonder song is like hey this is really fun that's a huge thing that i agree with you dave completely is that like i will never write a song as good as radiohead in my opinion so like if i have an opportunity to play paranoid android and like have that feeling of like oh this is what it feels like to play this song live like that i mean like that's got to be great and then there's also like the beatles whenever they were getting their uh cutting their teeth in what was it hamburg germany uh they were primarily playing covers and most people consider them the greatest band of all time now so there are these a lot of bands start as covers cover bands you don't have to but i, I do think there. It, there's definitely weight to what you're saying that you know learn learn from your roots that kind of thing i mean no don't just expect you're gonna like pick up a guitar and write the next greatest song in the world without learning the greatest song in the world yeah and uh, the black crows were a cover band before they started writing their own music that was their they started as a cover band so yeah i think it's great to do that yeah, I think, I mean, the way that we learn in school is to play other people's music. So it obviously is very important to play other people's music and to have that integrated in just your everyday, like, life as a musician. Um, and, I mean, I, I personally, I love playing covers and I love playing other people's music. It's super-duper fun. Uh, I, I, The only thing that I feel, like, kind of odd about sometimes is when a cover band or a tribute band tries to make a song different because the whole purpose of a cover band and a tribute band is to give the audience, like you said, Adam, like this is the song and you can't see it normally. So this is the song you get to like that you want to hear. You know, I've seen that happen when I'm playing with a cover band. I we start a song and the crowd's like, fuck yes. I love this song. This is such a cool song. Uh, but it's weird when a cover band tries to change something and make it their own instead of just playing the goddamn song. Yeah, last night I played uh, uh, the song Neon Moon, and it's a Brooks and Dunn song, but Casey Musgraves covered it, and she changed up the arrangement a little bit, and we played the Casey Musgraves version of it. So we played a cover of a cover, and it was funny to see the audience. It was like a, you know, there wasn't that many people there, but most of the people were middle-aged people, and they didn't know what the song was right away until the singer started singing the lyrics. And then everybody was like, Oh cool. Like you could see people go, Oh, they're playing this song. <laughs> well, imagine, imagine doing a cover gig and then playing uh, mad world by tears for fears, but you're not playing the Gary Jules version. 
Right, like, yeah. Nobody knows what the Tears for Fears version sounds like because it that song has much like the Nine Inch Nails song. It is no longer the Tears for Fears. Right. I did a I've been doing dreams with this band the the CV Nick song, but we do it like slow and halftime. So the whole audience looks super confused until the chorus starts, but it still is weird. The thunder only happens when it's like, oh, can we just play the song? Can we just can we just play the song instead of doing this? It just feels uncomfortable. See, that's on rumors, Jackson. I just want to go ahead and uh, for anybody who wants to cover this podcast, you have our complete permission. Feel free, <laughs> feel free to learn any. Uh, episode from front to back. You can even you shake it up a little bit. I mean, uh, reverse the roles. Have Adam talk a shit ton and me shut the fuck up. Like, wouldn't that be neat if Jackson just stopped talking? Yeah, I mean, you can you can do an episode where you think Metallica is the best thing ever, and that's fine. I mean, you're wrong, Weird. but that's fine. Yeah, I, some of the, I do uh, think there are a, a couple more great examples of covers. Uh, Nothing Compares to You, which was originally written by Prince Prince for one of his side projects, but the Sinead O'Connor version is the the super famous version, and in my opinion, it is better. It takes this kind of... Prince's original version is kind of this dancey song, whereas Sinead O'Connor kind of makes it feel kind of heartbreaking, which is really cool. But here is one song that I always forget as a cover, and both versions of it are great but all along the watchtower by bob dylan but the Jimi hendrix version is just like that's fucking nuts that's one of the i think one of the best examples of reinventing a song but when you listen to the original song you're like oh i see where that comes from like that such a good song the hendrix version came out six months later really yeah they were they were really close and like it definitely outsold uh bob dylan's version yeah, but Bob Dylan didn't give a shit about that. He no. didn't give a shit about anything. Oh, I meant to make a joke. Uh, Bob Dylan did his like first uh, uh, first large interview in years the other day. That was going to be my only news topic was that. I was like, today we're going to go through word by word the Bob Dylan interview. But fuck, I did he it. Did, did he release it as a song? And is it... Because that would make sense after he did the fucking JFK song. Yeah. Jesus so fucking Christ. I listened to that JFK song. If you read the lyrics, it sounds dumb as shit, but I think it's actually a good song. I, I'm actually, Oh, what the fuck? I'm looking forward to Bob Dylan's new record. It's coming out, and um, I think it's like 11 songs, and I think and it's I, would three hours to, long. I would love to devote a whole episode <laughs> to that JFK song. It was it was not as bad as Hagen was saying, there, so don't I, listen to I it. will... I will do that. I will devote a whole episode to that song, and I will yeah. trash it the entire fucking time. I, so I haven't listened to it, but I've read some people call it like a masterpiece, which I think is crazy considering all the other reactions are no, this is awful. So that's what I'm saying. Bad. You yeah. got to give it a chance, Adam. I, I think it's bad. You, I think Adam, if you like that Ghost Teen album by Nick Cave, I think you're more likely to like this song uh, than that's you probably true. than than Hagen. But, yeah, I mean, it, at some point it does feel like Bob Dylan's hubris a little bit. But it it's not an 11-minute folk song. So, I don't know. We're meandering. I'm going to cover that song. Get fucked. And it's going to be one one minute long. It's it's funny, though, you mentioned Nick Cave because he, he's one of those 
people who wrote about it calling it a masterpiece. It makes oh sense. Oh my god. Yeah. You know, if if you turn that song into a punk song, I'll play it with you for sure. If we if we like if we shorten the fuck out of it, speed it up, and just make it like two and a half minutes in and out, I'm down. So I think the Misfits already did that. They have a song called Bullet, which is about JFK dying, and it's like a minute and a half long. And in my opinion, it's their best song. So, yeah. By the way, I have a Misfits shirt, and I can name uh, five Misfits songs. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, name name them. No, I'm not doing name that. Name them. Oh, what the fuck? You got you got uh you got uh American bones. Idiot. You got Bones. <laughs> you got Firefly, uh Freebird and Bullet. Wagon Wheel. Wagon Wheel. Uh I do y'all wanna y'all got anything else to say about this or you wanna does anybody have some favorite covers of theirs? I will pers- Yeah. That's what I was wondering is what if anybody had covers they really, really like. I will go ahead and say this is a more of a newer cover. I, I like a lot of the covers I mentioned. Uh, Twist and Shout by the Beatles. I mean, that that's kind of like an essential uh, cover. But obviously, I like Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah. Man Who Sold the World by the Nirvana version is great. But I would say right now probably one of my favorite covers is the um, uh, 1979 uh, originally by Smashing Pumpkins, but the Contortionist did a version of it. And oh yeah, that's right. What's super cool? So like Hagen, I know you're not a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan, and I think that all stems from Billy Corgan's voice, and that it can feel really nasally, and it's hard to listen to sometimes. Which it's I totally bad. get. It's really I, bad. I personally like it, but I totally get where people come from when they don't like his vocals. The Contortionist did a great version. It is almost cut, copy paste uh instrumentally but uh the vocals are super laid back which it's just beautiful and then also if you've never heard the boys in the hood cover uh by uh i forgot who originally did boys in the hood but there's a band called dot hack who did the uh it's like an acoustic version it is amazing that is one of those i remember getting that on like uh lime wire or something like that Two of my favorite covers are, oh, by the way, The Man Who Sold the World, they mess up the intro on that. Like, Nirvana totally botched it. The vocals yeah. are supposed to come in right away, but they let a, a whole measure go by. And there are, like, t- so many YouTube uh, little um, essays about that, about how genius it is. <sighs> oh, my God, shut up. <laughs> but uh, with a little help from my friends, the Joe Cocker version, especially the footage from Woodstock, is, like, that's what I think of when I think of really good covers, but also that entire anatomy of between the Bear to Me record. Oh, it's like, really, it's so good. Like Three of a Perfect Pair and Bicycle from, uh, yeah. I forget who wrote Three of a Perfect Pair. I don't remember, but that album is great. That album is so good. Yeah, they, they did a really good job on that. Uh, I, I have a lot of like, I don't know. There, there's songs I like that I'm sure are covers, but the one that I'm just going to call out is from the the Pop Goes Punk collection. <laughs> and I, I, they, they put it on it later because uh, it was originally on, I guess, one of their albums, but A Day to Remember covered Since You've Been Gone. And I love Since You've Been Gone, and I love Kelly Clarkson, uh, but that cover is a trip. That's one of the few covers where I'm like, a metal band can do a pop song and make it sound really good, not just like ham-fist the fact that they are in drop C or drop C sharp, but it sounds actually really good because the singer has like a voice that helps it and it's not just shoving it in my face that it's a pop song 
Oh, and Prince covered "Best of You" uh, during a Super Bowl performance. Really? The, that's yeah. That's cool. And if you haven't heard it, it's almost heavier than the Foo Fighters version. That's crazy. And it's pouring rain because it's Prince, and there's just <laughs> it's amazing. That's awesome. Adam, Adam, what covers do you like? I only have two of note that like kind of stick with me, I guess. Um, and they're both kind of how I found different like different artists and so i think i mean that's one good part about covers is it can introduce you to different musicians that you may not be familiar with so i mean i don't i don't want to say i hate all covers i just don't really go towards them if i'm trying to seek out things to listen to but uh tv on the radio covered uh heroes by david bowie probably i think 10 years ago now or more and that was kind of my first introduction to them um and i really enjoyed them since then um and then joy division uh trent reznor and peter murphy did a whole like radio show where they just played joy division songs and other songs that influenced them and that was kind of a i don't know a a way to start listening to that kind of music and things that influenced the music that i like that kind of thing so i I think there's a lot of interesting you know things of covers can come from that because it's people covering songs they like and influence them obviously so you can kind of see the relationships between bands and what they grew up listening to or that kind of thing. Uh, it was King Crimson wrote three of a perfect pair. Oh, okay. Congrats album. You were uh, pretty positive. There. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really proud of you. And I just want to, as we close up this week's topic, I want to say you're welcome to every ska band. We have spared you. We did not mention that <laughs> you are glorified cover bands. You're welcome. <laughs> but but now but but you just said all that so now your 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 thank you means nothing oh no oh no Come oh no next week when we talk about ska covers <laughs> no no we're doing fleetwood mac fleetwood mac next week but wait what are we listening to yeah what are we listening to Hold on, let me get Kara in here. No, yeah, why she's coming. No, why All don't right, you do a cover of Kara? Oh, you know, I, I, that's what I was going to do anyway, but just do a bit. But, yeah, now I'll say it's a cover. <laughs> Way of to Kara. ruin the bit, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dave, I love ruining your bits. You know it. Baby, I love it, you. That's, yeah. that's real hot. Uh, all right, so this is my cover of Kara's Hey, Listen. All right, here we go. Ready? <clears throat> That gave, was that, me, good? That, that gave me chills. Was that good? No. Did I do it good? Creepy. It was creepy. Was that Kara? Did I sound like Kara? Great. <laughs> awesome. Jackson, what are you listening to? Man, you put the capo on the third fret and you <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> I think I, I think I put the capo past the headstock. I just took it all the way down. <laughs> Hell yeah. You did some Dragon Force shit. You got your whammy bar and just slapped your frets. <laughs> like, is it good yet? Uh, <laughs> I've really, you know, I haven't been listening to too much new uh, this week or last week. I felt really burnt from Metallica, and I just, you know, <laughs> I thought I, I thought I was just gonna give up on music after that. But I, I have been listening just because of politics in the world and just feeling, you know, very apathetic towards things. I've been listening to my favorite, more angsty band, which is AJJ. Uh, I've been just listening to a ton of their music because it, it helps me 
you know, just feel a little better. Like, okay, somebody else feels like me and it's good to have that, you know, much like metal music. It's good to be able to get that, you know, heaviness and feel a little bit better. So I've been listening to a ton of AJJ, no, no specific albums. So, yeah. Yeah, pretty much the same for me. I haven't really been listening to any new stuff and also been trying to just listen to music that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a really big thing. I, I, I definitely I've been trying to listen to more new music, but I found in my when I was traveling that I was just doing podcasts a lot and then I was doing stuff I really like, you know, Theo Katzman, Machine the Bear did me, shit I really like. Uh, there's a couple a couple of things that I'll say I have been listening to, but just not a ton, just I don't know. Been in a weird mood for new new stuff, but uh, Covet released a new album. It's really really good. Um, and Yvette, the guitar player, she sings on it a few for a few songs, and uh, she's got an amazing voice. So when she, you know, when, whenever you hear like pretty math rock stuff, sometimes I personally feel like it's missing something. And I don't know if it's the voice or another instrument or just something else, but uh, whenever you like, whenever they have the songs where she's singing, it just feels completely full. It's awesome. Um, so I've been listening to that. Uh, there's a jazz drummer named Jonathan Barber who put out an album called Legacy Holder, which I listened to last night. It was really cool. Um, there's a guy named Christian Lee Hudson, who's I think that all three of you would dig him. Very, very, very uh, pretty songwriter. Um, and he has an album called Beginners that's really, really good. Um, pretty voice, pretty songwriter. He's awesome. And the last one is a band called Wallows. Uh, and their album nothing happens just some bullshit indie rock but it's good it's really really good shit album uh yeah the uh <laughs> only one i've got to mention this week is actually dave mentioned a few weeks ago uh the new album by perfume genius uh, is really really good um as i kind of expected it would be um you know it's just another great album so so i i did forget uh i have listened to something new I got tickets to the Primavera Sound in 2021, so I've been listening to some like Pavement and Massive Attack to get in, get ready for that show. So super excited about that. But one of the headliners is Charlie XCX, and she record wrote and recorded a whole album uh, during. Sorry, not you album, but she wrote and recorded. <laughs> <laughs> she wrote and recorded a whole album during quarantine called How I'm Feeling Now and. I've always, she's one of those pop artists that I keep trying to get into because I'm like, there's something here. I know I'll get it at some point. I just can't get past it because it's just a lot of her music feels like it's pop music. It's really clean and that it's hard for me to relate to that. But something about this album being written and recorded during quarantine, it feels jagged around the edges. It's still a pop record, but wow, I love it. How I'm Feeling Now by Charlie XCX. I'm, you know, I, I finally get, I get her music and I, I really do enjoy that. So that's something new I've been listening to. Nice. Yeah. Thanks for listening to us. This has been our cover. Thanks, Thanks for listening so much. We really appreciate you listening. Unless- Go subscribe to us and you can listen on whatever uh, other podcast app you're doing. Dave doesn't like this at Stop. all. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Follow us. Email us unless you're a cop. And if you are, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. (laughs)